listening to the Nerds Assemble podcast. Episode 294 of the Nerds Assemble podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Paul. I'm Paul, aka Retroid. Uh, this week we're talking about incredibly hungry hippos, or at least that's what uh, Paul's decided to now deem the uh, acquisition frenzy that is taking part in, or taking part, yeah, taking place in the video games industry right now. Um, it, 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 it's, it's basically as if, you know, Quark suddenly made a fortune from those, you know, NFTs. That I was complaining to Odo about, you know, losing. He's got them back, and he's decided to splurge out. He's acquiring. That, that's what I'm seeing it as. Which rule of acquisition, though, are we currently dealing with, or is it several in play at the same time? I think it's probably all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's um, it, it's uh, I, I seriously doubt if this latest one, w- you know, would have happened if Microsoft hadn't been. You know, just going around grabbing. Yeah. So for those who haven't been keeping score, Microsoft in the past couple of weeks bought Activision Blizzard. Of course, this is on top of acquisitions like Bethesda in recent years. Um, and feeling somewhat cornered, I would say, on Sony's part. Um, so Sony decided to acquire Bungie, the original developers behind um, Halo, um, you know, they, they created Halo essentially, um, and uh, and they're the ones that are behind Destiny. Um, so yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's rather interesting. The thing is that I was reading was that um, the Bungie acquisition isn't like oh they're like they they are now slave to Sony. It sounds like. Even though Sony now has a controlling the controlling stake in them, um, that they, they still kind of their own thing. I, I admit I have not read much up on this because it's it, is, it was recent. I, it, I mean, it's like it only happened the time we were recording it. Only happened what five or so hours ago. Sort of I, yeah, I, I was off playing Life is Strange True Colors, and then I, I come back and it's like, oh, Sony have bought Bungie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, you know, that's how I saw it phrased. Um, so, yeah, so that's interesting. But this, it, it's, big, it's big companies buying smaller companies. Um, I, I feel like, in a way, Microsoft buying Active Blizzard is like. A little strange one to me in the sense of I get they've got a lot of properties that go with your setup and hardware options, both on PC and Xbox. Mm. But it is a messy company to be buying right now because it hasn't shorted its shit out yet, which obviously was Ye- a previous episode ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it, I mean it's it's kind of indicative of how bad the culture in parts of Active is king and whatever other companies they also have um are that you know a behemoth like 
Microsoft coming along, everyone's reaction was, oh, thankfully, maybe they can you know, give it a better work culture. Yeah. Meanwhile, that isn't the same situation, obviously, with the Sony Bungie acquisition. Like, Bungie weren't in any particular terrible stew. Um, I know Destiny's no. as profitable as they might have liked. I mean, I've never... I, I've played five minutes of the second one, I think. What, Destiny? Yeah, Destiny 2, because it was in PS Plus one time, and I haven't right. downloaded it. Um, but I like I haven't played like an FPS like that or anything in freaking yonks, and I was just overwhelmed by the controls. I was just like, mm, yeah, it certainly was. Yeah, like- I. <laughs> it's it, it, it's like you know I I like the Halo games, but for me, the best thing about them was always the single player and co op. Mm. So, you know, when they they said, oh, we're, you know. Finally, you know, we're, you know, free of, uh, you know, being owned now, which is, you know, kind of ironic with today. Um, You know, we're going off to do Destiny, which is what we always kind of wanted to do. And it it was like a multiplayer thing. And it's just, I, yeah, (laughs) it it never appealed from the very first moment they um, announced it. It didn't appeal when I played a bit at, at a Eurogamer Expo. Which was possibly the first one, I'm not sure. It would have been, I would have thought. Yeah, and then um, when it was recently added to Game Pass, I didn't bother downloading it because I couldn't be asked. What I so, am wondering, though, with the Bungie acquisition, is there a chance that they're going to work on something now that isn't Destiny? Maybe it, the acquisition benefits them, like Bungie, in some ways. It gives the... them like, some money to go play on something new. The number one thing I want for in any company like this, and this applied uh, mostly to you know the Activision studios, is for them to be able to work on what they want to do. Mm. So you know you've got Guerrilla, who are doing um, you know the Horizon games, and um, was it? Yeah, I can't remember the name of um, you know the, the uh, second one that's coming out on PS4 and five. Um, in a month or so. Oh, is it the, but, um, you know, it's, yeah, I, I was thinking that, but then I was, I was, am I getting confused with the, you know, the monkey, mm. you know, journey into the West, but it's, it, yeah, it, it's something like that, but it's, it's basically, um, Gorilla really shone the first moment that they got when they weren't just chucking out yet another bloody kill zone game. Mm. When they can work on something else, then it was like, oh, finally, freedom, and you can see them shine, and you can see the quality of the product, and it's, yeah. I, I, speaking of developers getting to do what they want to do, that ties in nicely with the ongoing NFT crisis in the industry. Because mm. it, it is a crisis, even if they won't accept it at this point. Um, it's just like... Uh, if, if, like, okay, software development has a real problem recruiting people at the moment. Yep. Regardless of whether or not you're making video games or, I don't know, airplanes. Like, everybody's hurting for devs. Maybe the only side that isn't quite is kind of maybe the lower end of web development. Maybe, and that's just a guess. Mostly, I guess, that on account of that. Although, did, did... 
Did you see the latest NFT thing of the weekend? Uh, there's been a lot. It's it's just so incredibly stupid. I just can't believe it's a real thing. It's just, you know, when you're reading something and it's just, this is such a stupid thing. And you're going, oh no, this will change the world. A uh, Someone struck upon the idea of minting NFTs of specific colours. Oh, for lordy's sake. So, if another NFT happened to use that colour, then you could get paid royalties for it. I mean, that's the equivalent of trying to um, basically have a note to, to yourself, like a musical note. A certain, like, E yeah. is an octave. And then... The thing is, that... It's this is even more ludicrous than that because it it just oh I'm you know I'm buying green, okay. Well, first of all, fuck off. Second, what what's the RGB value of that? So is it going to be zero zero FF zero zero? In which case, can I use zero one FF zero zero? Because that's not the color that you minted. So are you going to pay another hundred dollars so you can mint that one? And in the meantime, I could use zero zero FF zero one. And, and look, basically, no bugger will be able to tell the difference between them. Well, and I, if, we, if we run through for some stereotypes here, because actually this is where some stereotypes might be relevant, if we consider the fact that most colorblindness or lack of color sight or strength of color sight is in the male-born side of the population, and this whole thing is... From what I've been able to see, anecdotally led maybe 95 to 99% by males. Um, yeah. They're going to be able to, you know, there's now going to be what percentage of the male population is colorblind? And apply that to, there's like, how, how are they going to tell what color they're meeting really busily anyway? It's. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, but, it, the, you know, the whole thing, uh, there's an excellent. Um, you know, on this topic of, uh, you know, on the topic of NFTs in general and crypto, there is an excellent, if slightly hefty, because it's about two hours long, YouTube video by Folding Ideas. I keep that recommended to me. But it's like, isn't it a really, really long video? It is, but it's split into chapters. So it... You know, it goes into crypto, it goes into the origins of crypto, it goes into the problems of crypto, it goes into um, why Ethereum exists, which is partly, you know, the problem that, um, you know, Bitcoin had, where it, it would take hours, mm. you know, to um, you know, process anything. And then it goes into the idea of NFT gaming, which, mm. by the way, Square, you get fucked. Well, no, did we have accepts from, no, was it, who be soft at the, over the end of last week going like, oh, the reason gamers aren't in, don't like NFTs is because they don't understand them. I don't know, a huge chunk of us do. It's like, I understand them perfectly, thank you very much. I just think they're really bloody stupid. Yeah. Do you know what, there are applications for blockchain technology which are genuinely useful, and it's almost always for authenticating stuff that genuinely fucking needs to be authenticated because it the security of that stuff and being able to trace its origin effectively would be really beneficial and so, always none of it is for general use 
For anybody yeah. that doesn't know what NFTs are, do you want to do a brief? Oh my lordy! Um, should I give it a go? I, I'm ready to. If uh... well, uh, should I give? Shall I say what the uh, acronym stands for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It stands for non fungible token. Retroid. What is it? It's basically a receipt it's a the idea is that there can only be one version of this receipt that says you own a thing uh, this receipt can you know is digital but it can be um for a game item um a jpeg which you know you right click save as but then the, the whole idea is it's this the concept is supposed to be that you will own the jpeg but other people can download it but you can prove that you have it which is as useful as it sounds but the whole idea is you can monetize everything and then you know all these oh but everything is free on the net and you know as soon as you upload a jpeg then other people can download it and manipulate it this the, the whole idea is no you can put a monetary value on this thing proving that you have the original of this picture but they're basically urls or you know some definition of um a url or location or a value and yeah, it's the whole thing just screams a bubble. It's an investment, but it's it's basically the Beanie Babies again. And I'm old enough to remember when I was collecting comics, there were um, there were monthly magazines dedicated to keeping track of values of variant covers and you know things like that. Where you would get uh, comics like Gen Thirteen that would. Um, they would have 13 variant covers of the same issue. And various ones would be, you know, rarer than, you know, the rest. And then, of course, that complete, you know, the arse fell out of that market, just like the arse fell out of Beanie Babies, just like the arse fell out of basically anything that's been a craze for collecting. Yeah. And it's it's kind of based on the you know the horrible realization that you know whenever you hear on the news that a Van Gogh uh, painting has sold for you know a new record value, that's not because someone bloody loves that picture. It's because some bro, some investment bro somewhere has decided that the only you know. Um, thing that this painting can do is rise in value so they bid a stupid amount of money on it so that they can hold it for like five or ten years and then sell it for a, a theoretical profit and of course something is only going to be worth what other people will pay for it mm. so it's just it's 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 like a libertarian capitalist plus fever dream where everything is monetizable and you're not just selling, you know, access to something, you know, like you're not subscribing to um, Netflix or say Spotify for later on in the podcast for a service. You're actually saying that you own this thing. And in, in the meantime, 
it seems to me there's a relatively small uh, you know pool of people who are you know, investing in this. But what's really raised our alarms um, is that it seems to be that they're trying to get this to branch out. They're buying adverts on places like Times Square buy crypto you've got that um stupid matt damon advert that's you know been running in, in cinemas and on tv mm. um for one of the uh i forget what they call exchanges i think uh and and they're basically places that will take a cut for any transaction so that's how they make their money um but then you've got that absolutely ludicrous. It's just, you know, people are going to look back on it in years and wonder what the hell was going on in the world. Um, some talk show host, can't remember his name, talking to Paris Hilton. Oh, I can... Oh, yeah, I, 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 know. I can think of him. I can see him. I, I want to say Jimmy Kimmel, but... No, it wasn't Kimmel. Was it Kimmel? No, it wasn't Kimmel. It's just I don't know when it comes to uh, you know American talk show hosts. It's it's just basically they keep coming up. You know they crop up on links like this. But it yeah, where um, stranding. That's all I can remember. Which is think um, Conan. Is it Conan? No. Yeah, not not Conan. No, uh, he he's technically kind of retired now, isn't he? From no, it's not from, him. I'm from talk show. Somebody else. There's so many of them. Uh huh. We like all. Like over here, you just need to normally remember whether or not Graham Norton's got a season go or not these days. Yeah, um, a talk show host and Paris Hilton talking about uh, oh, she's bought an ape, which is one of the uh, I think billionaire board ape yacht club, whatever they're called. The board ape ones, you know, all my apes are gone. Mm. And, you know, she bought this ape because it reminds remind her of, you know, herself. And he's saying, oh, I've got this ape. And it's just one of the most surreal things. It's it's like... These it's, people, it, it, you could just commission an artist to just make some art for you. Yeah, they it's are. just pay, pay an artist to make a nice picture, not a variant of a bloody bald and, ape that's got, and, you know, a slightly different haircut or glasses or... Uh, whatever rainforests tend to get destroyed and the thing that's the one thing we haven't mentioned is the environmental cost of this type of technology is yet to uh, be squared in any sane sensible safe yeah that, still the climate way that, that's the thing um one one of the things i picked up from folding ideas uh on his video on uh, crypto is the I knew the whole thing of you could um, crunch crypto on the blockchain and then you could you know earn a little bit of coin for your Witcher mm. JPEG. I knew all that, but what I didn't realize was that part of the huge waste of it is that it's all competitive because of course it bloody is, isn't it? Yeah. So um, everyone competes to um, do the mathematical calculation um, for this hash, which will uh, complete this transaction. But then only the people who win and get, you know, turn in their work first are going to get the you know, fractions of a penny of a Bitcoin. So you have huge redundancy. You have huge waste where only the big investors are going to be able to um, you know, turn in the you know that work and get you know 
the bit of pennies. Yeah, I think I'm missing five or six, five years ago, maybe six, where like all that I thought was kind of cool was just that Dogecoin was a thing. I mean, nowadays you've got all this going on, you've got flipping artists online having their Twitter accounts hacked and stolen by people who then turn them around to become platforms to shill for anything. Mm-hmm. It's and, and, and the thing that you know the thing that stinks to me, and what I think is the the most it's it's a Ponzi scheme. Is half of these celebrities, I would say most of these celebrities who say that they're you know they've got a board ape or you know whatever NFT and the. They're basically saying, "Oh, no, you can get on this, and you know, blah blah blah." And it's a whole thing of get rich. How many of them will have actually paid their own money for these NFTs? I don't know, but I do know the one thing that if you're the creator of the NFT, like if it's your art that you're like uploading into the, you have to pay to mint that. Yes. And it's not guaranteed that it'll get sold. Or bought, well, bought basically. Yeah, it, it's if if you bought an NFT of a picture and um, all that NFT was was it's basically like a cryptographic XML, and it will give the location of where this JPEG is stored on the web. If that website goes down, if they suddenly decide I'm not I'm not going to be renewing that domain. Mm. Or if the provider goes down, that's it gone. Yeah. You own jack shit. Because you are you you own a bookmark mark to, a picture or whatever. It's just Yeah, the whole thing is absolutely ludicrous. But yeah, um team uh, team seventeen of um said that they're doing worms NFTs and it apparently it seems to have been a, a quite a high up decision because there are several people who work at team 17 who are basically what the fuck is this we do not want any part of it yeah i i have a feeling so getting back to the game side of this it looks like they're mm-hmm. just like fight building or a quick fight depending on how things escalate um i have a game dev talent around this um it's, I, I understand the idea that you can make get you know um, quick money out of this, but it's mostly quick money because there are people who are selling NFTs to themselves, and the prices are inflated. It's like you you cannot tell me that the stupid bloody picture that um, Justin Bieber bought, quote unquote, for one point three million dollars is worth that the thing is though is that currently at the moment and this is where none of this is being properly taxed at the moment and i think that is interesting in the sense that if this goes on for too long oh in fact even prior to you know people trying to do things with images with crypto like there was talk of trying to get it properly taxed with the transaction Mm -hmm. like when you made bank you know where you where your investment actually did pay off um and probably taxing that and you know the, it was is it the sec in america are sort of quite close to things when I mean, the irs are certainly um looking into it and then once it's all taxed it's going to be 
the 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 shine will be gone for all these people who are currently peddling it. Yeah, and and the, the you know the tiny thing that you know a lot of the appeal of Bitcoin and such is um, money laundering. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it. Like, there's the interesting thing that basically um, hacks by North Korea. The targets have changed in like the last few years to mostly be stuff to do around crypto uh, currencies because it's far more lucrative for them. So they'll, you know, they'll basically grab an exchange, get all the money there, or coin, and run, basically. Yeah. Fun times. Um, but this oh, is the- oh, and and uh, you know, so, some late news in the acqu- acquisitions. Oh. Uh, now be be proud of me. I'm actually dragging us back onto topic here. Okay. <laughs> Right. Also, mark it on your calendar because it doesn't happen that often. But the New York Times has bought Wordle. What? Mm-hmm. What? What? Apparently. Apparently. Oh my god! But do you know what? New York Times are big spenders at the moment because they bought the Athletic a few weeks ago, which I know for yourself would not mean much because it's a sports publication. Yeah. But um, the Athletics, who I go to for like all my ice hockey uh, news for like NHL. Um, yeah. And, and the Canadian Hockey League as well. So it's just kind of like, ah. So the New York Times is in a very buying mood as well at the moment. So they've bought Wordle. They they have. I'm looking at the um, the New York Times now. And it's, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so the sudden hit Wordle in which play, um, once a day players get six chances to guess a five-letter word has been acquired by the New York Times company. The purchase announced by the Times on Monday reflects the growing importance of games like Crosswords and Spelling Bee in the company's quest to increase digital subscriptions to 10 million by 2025. Uh, for a price in the low seven figures. The company said the game would initially remain free to new and existing players. Yeah, but that's ridiculous because basically it, it works on cookies. Hmm. That's the only way that it tracks anything. It's it's just and and, and basically if 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 he's created because didn't he create it for his girlfriend more so or less? That's a, or his um, other half. That's the tail that's spun, spun. Yeah, and and it's free. So if he's if he's getting if he's cashing in for the low seven figures, so he's got over a million dollars, say, then good, you know, good for them. Yeah. 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 But yeah, acquisition frenzy. Just well, I mean, they're not going to be acquiring Loodle anytime soon, so we've all got that. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet, but I've been tempted by that. I've been tempted by Loodle. Um, but the thing is, though, it's not. The format is obviously currently five-letter words. There aren't that many five-letter words in the English language. They are somewhat limited. It's like, probably the most common number, though, isn't it? Because um, I know four-letter is you know can be quite restrictive, but mm. though it, four-letter would be very good for Loodle. <laughs> 
but yeah. Other random bits of news, enough to do acquisitions, uh, but um, years ago we reported on when basically BBC Three got absolutely screwed by the BBC. Um, they're, they're back on air, like broadcast television from tomorrow, which for you guys listening will be like towards the end of the week will have happened. Um, but 1st of Feb, yeah, BBC Three is back on air after being out in the wastelands of BBC iPlayer for the past few years. And they'll just yeah. give you the wastelands on broadcast television instead now. So. But BBC Four has been absolutely screwed. So, yeah, it's very sad what happened to BBC Four. Yeah, but we we don't have time to go go into the ins and outs of, of that in this episode. But everybody's buying everything. And we haven't even talked metaverse stuff, and that's just painful. So. <laughs> oh God! Oh Jesus! I I just saw a headline which was either "Yep, that makes perfect sense," and it's also one of the many reasons I wouldn't touch metaverse with a shitty stick. I'd rather sign, it was. I'd rather sign up to Second Life. It, yeah, <laughs> but um, I think it was um, yeah, one of the big betting companies, you know, bet betting shop mm. bookies companies was um eyeing up the metaverse well, for when and it's, it's just crash. wow that that doesn't appeal in any way on mm. any level in fact it's a hellscape just i saw a comic strip from a guy i think his name's tom fishburn he does a lot of insightful short comic strips about marketing and very specific sales and business and he had yeah. uh, one before Christmas that was just like a gig, two people sitting around a table with like headsets on, VR headsets, just being like, yeah, everyone's going to come to it because people like brands, people love brands, don't they? Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, <laughs> and he's, he's obviously tongue in cheek there. Like, he, he's saying that, like, these people in this comic strip are idiots. But like, we all know that people do not love brands that much to want to be constantly exposed to them so yeah 2022 feels like the Ouroboros year of technology yeah a little bit so uh, it's, it's, it's just it's it's not as weird as other years but it's just it's a bit more hellscape it's a mm. bit more sort of um Black Mirror. Hmm. Hellscape. <laughs> so, let's move on to happier things. I mean, okay, let's just point out, I'm not actually unhappy with Sony buying Bungie. I'm interested to see what this will mean in terms of Bungie's outfit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you know, personally to me, it's a, I didn't really care about Halo multiplayer. I, you know, I not cared about Destiny. Yeah. But um, if this gives them some financial um, independence, then I'm all for it, and I look forward to seeing what else they will do. Oh. But it, you know what we, it, it, we need to do? You know what we need to do? What? We need to have a poll on which companies are going to get bought next and by who. I'm, I'm still kind of sitting back and looking at Ubisoft and EA. Well, so Ubisoft's currently owned by is Ubisoft currently owned by Vivendi, who are the previous owners 
previous previous owners of Activision Blizzard. Maybe. I think they are, or at least Vivendi has a controlling stake. That's the French company Vivendi. Um, so, if anyone who, whose hands aren't freezing wishes to check the information out right now, feel free to. Um, but uh, there's smaller, more intri- smaller um, purchases that could be made for um, an interesting uh, choice. It's sort of, of purchasing. Uh, what if somebody bought somebody like 2K? Indeed. Right, games. Um, I, I don't know if anyone can afford Rockstar at the moment because they seem to kind of roll in money a little bit. Yeah. Because of how online's gone for them. Maybe Nintendo will. Well, let's, let's, let's just yeah. Let's just start off, that off now. <laughs> N- Nintendo are, are buying Rockstar and they're making GTA Six exclusive on the Switch. And if you win that wager, you will be able to buy Rockstar from them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, he he so because Warner Brothers has got. Rocksteady, but is Warner feeling pretty happy about games at the moment or not? Hmm. Mm. Now Disney own a, a, a few studios. Yeah, but they they they're weird. They're not tr- to be trusted over like how they feel about games because they games go in and out of fashion with them quite a bit. Yeah, that's sort of like was it five or six years ago? They like got rid of everything near enough, and then suddenly they're suddenly getting stuff back again. Like, well, they they had the Disney Infinity, including all those figures that you still see in some of the you know the bargainy shops. Oh god. Uh, which I think who else would be interesting to who else would be interesting to or likely? Um, I mean, I think. With TKB, maybe. So? Still wondering how liable likely like, someone like 2K is. Oh, what if. Is anyone able to buy EA? Or somebody bought EA? EA would be the big thing. Mm. Mind you, I, I would have said that was impossible up until. Activision Blizzard being. Microsoft Python. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After Blizzard. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it kind of, you know, um, how we've previously had like this thing about streaming services where yeah. you have to kind of subscribe to every single one in order to actually, you know, get the shows. Yeah. It kind of feels like that with consoles at the moment, with you know, sort of like uh, develop developers being bought up by, you know, I mean, it, it is certainly just like, is reducing choice. Yeah, it is certainly reducing consumer choice. And it's in, like in a way, though, it's. It's it, it's kind of returning it to what it was because it used to be you would buy a console because of the exclusives. Mm. And then when it came to the 360 PS3 era and uh, the, you know, the Xbox and, you know, PS4 era, um, most games were multi-platform. And you would just have a minority that were going to be exclusive, but it seems to be returning to the exclusives as the draw. It's a bit weird i thought we were past that but apparently not and you know what i really want 
a return to same console co-op. That's not happening. They like their subscription services. Yep. They can force multiplayer onto essentially. Essentially, if they can charge you for multiplayer, they will. Apart from Gearbox, Gearbox with the Borderland games have always been the same console multiplayer. And I've always been thankful for that. I mean, Borderlands, you know, we've kind of played, you know, kind of several uh, times, several of the games and whatnot. And it's always been quite fun. Um, I know we don't always kind of manage to get all the way through, um, mm. like, the game, but it, it's been fun playing it. But I think the reason why, I don't, the reason I don't think we're going to get that is on account of the fact that it's all lucrative to force, force people, people to, to have a subscription and play online rather than enable people to play in the same space. Even in that way, I, I think Game Pass is kind of helping in that because Game Pass is like a level above paying for online play. But you're not just paying for the online play, so it's it's kind of if if you have that, then you're already paying enough to maybe justify the. But yeah, it's basically I I want couch co-op back. Yeah, and to me, it really harmed um, the latest Halo. Not in um, Infinite. But you know, um, I think Halo Guardian, Halo Five Guardian, um, that did not have um, you know couch co-op to start off, at least to start off with. I can't remember if it does now, but yeah, apparently that they got quite a pushback on that, and they've said that with Infinite, they they will be doing you know, you know co-op, and I think split screen. I mean, it's, yeah, it's but... all good, you know, having like online and stuff, but nothing beats actually having another person in the same room. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that companies don't care about that because they can't make as much money off of it. Yeah, but um, one of the things I thought was pretty great when I played it was um, you could play um, Halo Three. Both online and couch co-op, you could have um, you know like three players, you know playing co-op, or you know three or four players, and you could have um, you know one person driving, one person on the gun, and one person you know shotgun in the warthog, and it could just be a mix between who was in, you know who was you know playing over live and who was um, you know sitting on the couch next to you. Mm. And that's that to me is how it should be. It just worked really well, and that that it, it just felt felt like such a slap in the face when I got um, you know Halo Five, and it just did not support it. Just, oh come on! Um, yeah. Okay, let's talk about what we've been up to. Um. Paul, what have you been up to designing things for D and D? I think. I mean, yeah, a bit of that. Bit of that. Or was there that bit where you we almost ended up with several players um, dying over the weekend? Playing yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, to be fair, that was partly you. That's what 
clever person that was in a similar yeah, predicament. Yeah, that's true, that's true, where um, you've basically been knocked unconscious and you're rolling uh, death saves. Um, you failed on one, you succeeded on one, and then your brother was d um, wondering whether or not to come rescue you or continue attacking the um, creature. Um, yeah, I think... <sighs> Because I know I'm the DM, but sometimes you know that this this kind of advice is kind of important to you know group cohesion and whatnot. But I did turn around and sort of say, "Look, Josh, there is another person that can do it. However, they would have their go after Emily. Now, if Emily were to roll a one, that would be two death saves, and her character would be dead. And it's like, oh, oh better not do that." <laughs> So just FYI. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I've helped very, a lot. My character's helped a lot in the area we've been in because there's a whole load of enemies that couldn't handle fire magic. And I was just like, fireball, fireball. <laughs> but um, yes, most of the group has um, leveled up to level three now. Which in this means, particular campaign. Yeah, in this uh, particular campaign, uh, which means that they've uh, basically had the chance to diversify what they're doing. And um, your one of your brothers um, is taking on uh, the Eldritch Knight. Mm. Uh, which is basically combining, you know, yeah, you're the established kind of um, weaponry with a fighter um, with magic spells. So that's going to be interesting. And uh, I've also uh, got printed out uh, A2 um, sized posters of maps for um, campaigns as well. They're pretty. They are very pretty. And I've got them in like uh, metal frames as well. Oh, oh. considering Sorry, that um, we finally finished watching Witcher Season 2. Yay! Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on it other than mine, which are, it was too short. Where's the rest? <laughs> which I didn't feel so much with the first season. I mean, the first season, it was a bit all over the place. The second season seemed far more straightforward. Um, but I feel like it, it concentrated very heavily on Siri. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it was like, I think we could have done with more Jaskier. Well, well, I mean... I mean, you know, that's that's my thoughts anyway. Well, yeah. more of his entirely, I am not bothered, you're f you know, I'm fine without you, with, uh, you know, Witcher, um, yeah. Song and the... More uh, Yeah. Um... Is that I'm fine without you. In fact, I'm so fine. I've written a song and I'm going to perform it several times now. <laughs> Is that okay? Okay. It, it took me a while to realise who sort of like the season's main big bad idea was kind of linking to in terms of ideas. Because I was just like, well, what's, what's the bad, real big bad? 
behind the scenes. Oh, okay. It took a while for me to realise that. Even once it, they got shown, like, once. It wasn't until the second time that it really hit. So you had trouble um, foreseeing where the narrative no, was going? not foreseeing it. Understanding who they were in relation to the games. Like, tying the, it down to the one game that I've played more than 20 minutes of, which is the third one. Which yeah. is, is probably the best of them to um, you know base that on. Yeah, I tried playing the first one on PC years ago. Uh, I got it on Steam. Yeah. Yeah, but my computer can handle it. It kind of got twenty minutes in, and I was just like, nope. And you know, it's not going to happen. I have tried Witcher two and three, and I bounced off them. And I I know I should go back, but yeah, I just haven't yet. So I, I have not played them. I am a terrible gamer. I am handing in my gamer badge. Uh, I, I don't think anyone can truly say that they've completed all the games in their collection. I definitely can't. It's not just that, but I mean, I feel like people do sometimes kind of fall out of love with stuff that they're, you know, mm. But we should take this back to which season two because we were talking about which season two. Did you like it? Yeah. I mean, I liked it as well, but it was just like I want, I could have done with about two more episodes. I think there's a thing about um, watching Witcher, which is uh, usually where we start watching it, and then for some reason, like you know, it, we have to kind of um, kind of go to bed or whatnot. Mm. And then it will take us a little while to actually get. Oh yeah, we've still got more Witcher to watch. That that cause that's happened with like both the first series and the second series now. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, it's it, it's good, but it's not like right. I, I we have to watch this again. Do the first season we started watching it over a friend over Christmas, and then did manage to get back into it when we came back home. It took is is, we is that because of the the format with it um going back and forth in the time no we were actually doing yeah. pretty well with the um, linearity of the first season unlike apparently most of the world's population watched it i don't know maybe maybe it's just a coincidence that um we're in specific same frame of minds mm. when watching it the first time around where we're like we're kind of half watching it while doing something else at the same time. As you do. Well, usually it's knitting for me, so. And sometimes it's kind of being on the computer or yeah. something for me. Or just, you know, uh, trying to keep attention. Would you have a um, uh, you know a set aside time at the you know the end of each evening where we will watch you know we'll sit down and just watch stuff. You know, phones will be, you know, put face down. You know, computers will be closed. We're just, you know, watching something together. And, yeah, I think it's a bit, that's the best way for a lot of uh, box set stuff. Fair, fair. I'm not sure whether I could, whether I could do that. But... I mean, sometimes when I get, like, back at, you know, sort of gone half eight or something like that, and it's just like... Yeah, not always practical. No, it depends. 
Yeah. I just find it hard not to be doing something with my hands. I don't necessarily be looking at my phone to look at social media, but at least like, half the time people want to be able to do something with my hands, like knit. Basically. But then I'm one of those people that doesn't have to constantly look at my knitting. So... It's just something that kind of gets done. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, um, oh, I think it's worth note we haven't been back to the cinema yet since before Christmas, or just after Christmas. Can't remember now. Um, so yeah, that was I think the last film that we watched was that Matrix, um, Re- 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 Resurrections. Yeah, I think that was the last one. So hmm. it looks like we've probably missed the new scream as well. But like, yeah. I uh, the the Twitter for it has been really quiet on the UK side for me so I wasn't even sure if it was out yet so it was just like uh okay I do like going to the cinema but it's it's like sometimes you kind of you don't necessarily want to waste a cinema trip in the sense of kind of just going to the cinema just for the sake of going to the cinema you actually kind of want to watch something that you're actually vaguely interested in and I feel like because we were umming and ahhing about watching was it the king's one mm-hmm um, in the cinema, and we were going, but we opted not to instead. Uh, and to be honest, that's I think that's meant to be out on like one of the uh, streaming services soon. Oh, maybe, maybe it'll be out in time for Valentine's Day or something. Probably. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I've been up to a few things. Did we say last episode that we've got a new big thing in the living room? What's me like that? Oh, right. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. For a second, I was like, that's, that's really cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not new either. Um, Old. <laughs> uh, I, 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 was, I was just enjoying the opportunity to say that about someone else. Um, we, we succumbed and I bought a PS5. Uh, just before Christmas, I denied some small child um, a PlayStation 5. Um, ah, so- sod the small child. They would have played FIFA on it or some shit like I that anyway. Yeah, there's like hardly any kids' games out on it yet. It's, it's anyway. just, part of the problem is that there's this perception that gaming is for kids, and it's like, explain 18 rated mm. games then. I mean, the majority of the games that I've picked up for so far are either like 16 or 18 rated. I mean that that's so... most of like Sony's and uh, Microsoft's like back catalogue, isn't it? Pretty much. Um, I'll admit though, haven't been playing anything I haven't technically played before, because I went and uh, basically if you've got a uh, like for instance you got the digital version of Death Stranding for PS4, you can upgrade to the director's cut PS5 version for a fiver. Uh, with so... with new different energy drinks. There's a few other bits and pieces, um, but I've, I've been more obsessed with doing the optional missions this time around because I'm not having to rush so much on the story. Um, and yeah, uh, I've just been dipping in and out of it, doing a lot of deliveries, living my delivery post-apocalyptic dream. You're a delivery boy! Yeah. My my uh, favourite part of that was um someone get pant you know passing me a controller and saying go on go on transport this and you go okay what is it it's quite big and I'm falling over a lot what what's in the package oh it's it's your dead mother 
Yeah. I was like, what? Uh, but, like, I, know th- I know this is like a Kojima game, but what the fuck am I doing for falling down the side of a mountainside with, with my dead mother's corpse on my back? That's because dead bodies are dangerous in this round. I mean, you have to cremate them as quickly as possible, but away from populated areas because all dead bodies now release toxins that can cause the summoning, essentially, of these monsters that then try to kill everyone. And as you do. And the thing is, is that basically dead body, if left for too long, will go boom. And leave a crater. Yeah. Uh, wipe out a city or something. So, yeah. But anyway, I'm playing Death Stranding Director's Cup, slowly but surely. Um, and then I got distracted by the fact that last week a new Pokemon game came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played a couple of hours on that so far, which is, uh, was it Pokemon Legends? Is it Arceus or Arceus? I was wondering what's the one to pronounce it Arceus. It must be Arceus. Um, that they want it sort of pronounced. Um, which is perhaps the most RPG-esque game so far, in the sense you've kind of got more of an open world type thing going on and way more story. Um, and in, yeah, it's been quite fun so far. Um, just kind of pottering about on that, trying to, like it really wants you to, like the whole game's mission is to fill the Pokedex. Like more so than the um, original sort of style games. Yeah, so, uh, that's quite fun. And I think then the main other two things that I've been doing aside from that is, uh, I'm part way through. I'm watching The Big C because there's nothing like being twelve years late to television events. That's how long it's been. It was like 2010 it started. Oh, know? right. Yeah, it was like on before Hannibal. Oh, oh! didn't we research it and found out that it came out um, before, or was it after um, Breaking Bad? It was after, by like a couple of years, but not by much. Okay. There might have been crossover time. Um, but yeah, so... The Big C, which is about uh, a, a woman uh, going through the trials of stage four cancer, but kind of with a lot of um, dark humour and stuff. I think it was ever massive over in the UK. It's, um, it's Showtime. And yeah, how like Showtime stuff kind of like, I mean, I know Californication certainly made more of an impact over here, but that is because I think it was obviously Adam was at Channel 5 originally yeah as was Dexter was Channel 5 as well wasn't it or was it somebody else it so, was was it Channel 5 or it 3 it wasn't BBC or 4 Channel 4 it wasn't BBC or 4 in that case it must have been because we definitely oh, no, I think it might have been it was ideas. possibly FX oh yeah uh, obviously um, um, FX would have had it because of uh, yeah. Sky and that. yeah but um, yeah so I was watching that oh you know what we watched the Dexter um, new series so did we. I am unsure as to how I feel about this ending yet again. We, we, we were quite ending, split on it. It was like, we have to have a definitive ending now. Well, I, I read that it was partly in response to everyone's reaction to um, the last season 
of Dexter. Mm. Where, as, yeah, especially the last episode of that, my reaction was just, what the fuck? Yeah. I quite liked this season and where it went, whereas um, other half was less enamoured. I like the series of events that happened. I like the setup. Um, I'm just less sure about how it ended. Yeah. But then I respect not wanting to necessarily do more. I mean, to be fair, they could do more with Harrison. Without too many spoilers. Like Dexter the Next Generation or something. That would be terrifying. The Dex Generation. No. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was such an evil scowl by Emily it, there. It, it, I, I, I think it's an incredibly slim chance that anyone in charge of anything to do with Showtime would be listening to our podcast. But De- Dexter, up, the, the next strangulation. Don't accept title <laughs> suggestions from these two. Dexter, the next evisceration. Oh, <laughs> Dexter, the next laceration. Uh, <laughs> do not accept name suggestions from these pools. <laughs> if you see these pools on the street, do not accept any name suggestions. Do, do not uh, accept it, just any pool. <laughs> uh, and then the other... Archibald. Oh, I think that's a strong name for baby. Oh, um, Make thing. sure your Paul has a genuine um, Nerds Assemble badge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the other thing um, I've been watching, and it's been my goatee series for the last week, is um, Elementary. Mm. I have talked about this show before, but what might not be clear is that I never finished watching it the last time around. I got a few seasons in and then kind of trailed off. It wasn't that you trailed off, it's basically that you kind of got sick of the um, the episodic nature of it, wasn't it? No, I just kind of trailed off. The episodic nature one was more for... Um, uh, Criminal the, Minds. Yeah. Criminal Minds peed me off because the characters were less likeable. <laughs> Garcia pretty much held that show together with like Spencer. That was it. Garcia, the their like Oracle woman. All oh, right. Yeah. Was that was it Matthew Groover? Is that the actor or was that? And the guy that played Reed, like the character of Reed, was like uh, Spencer Reed. Was hmm. like. The only other like really likable character. Everybody else is just like, uh. But yeah. Anyway, Elementary on the other hand, um, has so far been a delight, um, to watch, um, and yeah, uh, I'm gonna say it now. If I was gonna rank recent interpretations of Sherlock Holmes, I think. Elementary Sherlock's my top favourite Sherlock, followed by Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock, and the guy Richard Downs. And then at a reluctant last place is Sherlock from Sherlock Come About to Get Usness. Hmm. Basically. I mean, to be fair, like. 
if if Sherlock is in the the, uh, the um, get us a Moffat, yeah, Moffat um, series didn't go beyond the second season, would you have liked it more? Probably. It's like Moffat doesn't know when to stop pushing. He doesn't know when to stop trailing grains of rice all over the scene. And if his tenure is a, do- uh, a Doctor Who's anything to go by, he also doesn't know when to actually answer more questions than to ask them. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm trying. I'm gonna see if I can actually finish what he's done this time. Um, fuck is what is the fucking name of the Doctor? <laughs> Let's tease that and then like not pay it off. Mm. Right, Troy, what are you oh, up? Unfortunately, the name of the Doctor is bad handwriting. But Retro, what have you been up to? Uh, we have been watching a few things on the telly box. Um, one of them has been because we just kind of, yeah. Well, first of all, we, we watched Dexter, New Blood. Yeah. Which, so yeah, I I quite liked and thought it was, uh, you know, it worked as a full stop. And uh, pretty yeah. serious to um, next generation. Yes. <laughs> it's gonna I'm, 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 I'm not going to ruin off our excellent suggestions again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, then we ended up watching. Yeah, so go on. We'll give that snow piercer a you know a look. Is that the TV we- series or the film? Uh, we'd already seen the film, and as we all know, Baby's duty is the best. According to Captain America. Which, you know, a bit wow. of a shocker, that. Um, act, actor bloke, Bob Actor, who um, plays Captain America, um, had that line in the Snowpiercer movie. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> what? Yeah, <we're> done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Baby's taste the best. <laughs> Never miss an opportunity to um, quote that just to people's horror, but um, <laughs> I said I didn't say it was Captain America, and then I showed them a picture, and he's like, "See, ah. <laughs> um, but we thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll have a go at this because there was a second season, and he said, "Well, we will we will see how this goes." And if anyone's not familiar, it's um, you know based on a. I can't remember if the Korean um, version is the original, you know, version of the story. I think it may be based on a novel or a, a comic. I cannot remember. Novel, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it, it's an absolute, absolutely ludicrous idea where the world has frozen, so a an Elon Musk type wanker decides that he's going to play with his massive train set and just have a train that goes around and around and around the world. And it has to keep going um, to generate its own power. But it's, it's basically, um, you know, a tagline in these, both the series and the film is the eternal engine where it will keep going so long as it can, you know, keep up its speed. And that's, not only to smash through the ice, but it's to generate its power and you know everything like that. And the the train is an ecosystem and like a microcosm of everything that's wrong about society. Because the you know the ultra rich are living in the lap of luxury with you know everything 
uh, you know, being laid on for them. And there's the unticketed uh, stowaways who managed to get on the train at the last moment, who were called the tailies. And they're kept in the last few uh, carriages on the end of this. Um, as the series starts off, it's 1,001 train carriages long. Right, okay. So they're kept right at the end. They're the tailies. They didn't have a ticket. They're not allowed um, anywhere else on the uh, the train um, unless they can be used for something. Like some of them are promoted to janitorial duty or hmm. you know things like that. But it's it's basically it's run for the benefit of the um, the luxury elite, and then you have the professional classes and the people who are you know keeping the train running and. Anyone else, they're just treated as fodder. So scum. basically, fairly thinly veiled metaphor. Yeah, which I am. I've not. I've not come across it, but I'm just waiting for some um, person to say, "Oh, the you know, the made it political." Or you know, you're trying to say Snopius <laughs> is political, and it's like, "Fuck me! Have you not watched it?" It's like someone was, you know, oh, you'd be saying Robocop is, you know, political. You know, the original Robocop movie, and it's just. Yeah, if how did you fucking miss that? Is. Yeah, or on my favorite, which was oh, you're saying Starship Troopers is political. <laughs> so fuck, fuck her now. But uh, yeah, um, so you know you, you've got this whole situation going on. Yeah, um, and in the the TV series, it's it's pretty much there are a few murders. Um, you know, further up the train. Um, up until now, they've not bothered having a detective because it's everything Nothing. is very tightly controlled. So uh, they f- they find out that one of the tailies um, was a detective in New York. So they go in, grab him, bring him up, and pretty much say, you know, f- you know, solve this crime because we thought we had solved it. But it's happened again, where um, you know these these men will go missing, and then they they turn up um, cut into pieces, missing their genitals. And so it, it's kind of a whole you know really big hallmark for a killer that it, oh you know we've we've got someone, and they don't execute them; they put them into sort of cold storage, suspended animation, you know, with chemicals. Mm. And um, it's like, oh, we've we've got the wrong person. So we're going to try and thaw out um, the the woman that we thought was you know committing the murders, and you know because clearly innocent, and you know trying to do all uh, I mean investigate it, and then yeah, it rapidly moves on from that to uh, revolution, and then you get revelations about who is actually running the train. Because it's the voice of Sean Bean, who's um, Mr. Wilfred, who you know owns the train. But um, you only ever see um, Jennifer Connolly's Melanie, who is the you know the voice of the train, who does most of the announcements, apart from Mr. Wilfred, who will do you know the really big ones where you know something is happening and oh you know they're changing um, course to go through this and oh you know we're asking for the patience of the passengers, etc. etc. You know he'll do that, but yeah, it turns out that it's Jennifer Connolly's character who is in charge, and then 
that kind of gets you up to the end of the first season, missing out with significant chunks of things. And then um, there's a second train turns up, and it's a supply train. And is it who's on that? Well, I'm not going to say. But basically, we binged the first two seasons of this and we're really annoyed that the third season is showing up on a weekly basis now on Netflix. So it's like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> We've successfully binged this, you know, two or three episodes a night, you know, quite happily because it's, it's, it's kind of pulpy, but it's, 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 it's a surprisingly Moorish series. Mm. Really did not expect to get on with it as well as I have, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's pretty unique. Informer, I have to give it that because you've got these, um, everything is finely balanced. Like, you know, there are um, certain types of people who are supposed to get certain types of food, and you know, they've got livestock and they've got fish and they've got crops and they've got fruit. But if it all goes a bit wrong, then of course, then you can have colony collapse of the bees, you can have, um, you know, the fruit trees dying, and how you know, are you going to, you know, get those back? And then there's, you know, the fish stalk and, yeah. So it's kind of wheeling and dealing and the tail is trying to get further up and uh, the first class just being a no, 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 nothing will change because we are in the lap of luxury and we, we paid a fortune for these, you know, for these tickets. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, it works quite well as a series. I think it works a lot better as a series because you can kind of expand on, you know, themes. Oh, definitely. definitely. Uh, than, yeah, than in the movie. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, I it's, would... It's amazing how often that happens where it's like, you know, films that you just think, you've got a brilliant concept, but you've got such a simplistic story um, for, you know, kind of the main A-plot in essence. Yeah. You should have basically just done this as a TV series. Yeah, there, there are some ideas which are, you know, you can tell that they have trouble fitting it into a movie. Mm. And most of the time it's, you shouldn't have tried fitting it into a movie. You should have let it breathe as a series or a miniseries. Yeah. And you can do the whole um, Midnight Mass approach where it's a limited series and it's a set length. That it's going to stop at the end of, you know, like 10 episodes you know, eight or ten episodes and that's it. But that gives it enough time to tell everything that you want. Whereas, yeah, trying to do, you know, stuff like that in a 90 to two hour, you know, 90 minute to two hour um, time frame. Some things really work with it and others do not. Um, so, yeah, watched Dexter, Snowpiercer, um... And I picked up on on our PS5 because we're part of the royalty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I picked up uh, the La- the Last of Us Part Two on PS4, and I'd already played the Last of Us on PS3. But you know, with with me just saying that I played it on PS3, that's an indication of you know it's a little while be a little bit rusty on everything that happened even though I could generally remember the story of The Last of Us so um, as part of the Christmas sale 
um, Smith's stores, which, you know, we have one relatively close to us here in Dundee, uh, was selling the remaster of The Last of Us on uh, PS4 for seven ninety nine. So I thought, if I'm going to play Last of Us Part 2, and it's been quite a few years since I played, you know, the first one, I'm going to play it through in order. I'm going to play, you know, the remaster, and then I'm going to play Last of Us Part 2, and then I've got proper context for everything. And you don't have the starting to watch a series, um, you know, like uh, after a year when you, you box, you know, you box at the first one and then you get to the second one and you spend about the first quarter of it just going, who are they? Why are they doing that? I can't remember. I thought he was dead. <laughs> you know, all that, all that kind of thing. So I replayed The Last of Us, enjoyed it. It's still an excellent game. Looks even better than you know it did on PS3. Um, and the loading times are significantly reduced playing it on you know PS5. And then you know went on to uh, the Last of Us Part Two, which you may or may not remember has had quite a rocky reception from some parts of the gaming community, quote unquote. Principally because um, it kills off. Joel, mm-hmm. the main character um, from the first game. So kind of, yeah, relatively early on. But it, the thing that got me by, you know, caught me by surprise with The Last of Us Part Two is, well, first of all, it's a great game, which I kind of expected from Naughty Dog because they're really good at doing narrative, you know, games. Um, but just how long it was, I ended up uh, playing it for about 30 hours. The... I think it took me longer than that, but I think when I played it, but I think I was trying to do a lot of stuff, achievement. Yeah. And the thing that I found is that once you get to the house that's out in the middle of nowhere, yeah, it should have just ended there. Well, I, I thought it was going to be ending there because it felt like it was ending there. It yeah. would have felt like a natural time. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, I liked what followed as well. So, but yeah, it, it just a, a lot of the criticisms that I was reading because I I looked something up and I accidentally found myself on the Reddit for The Last of Us Part Two, and fuck me, <laughs> a lot of really pathetic, idiotic assholes complaining about stuff, and they clearly clearly had not played it. Like the, I don't know how you're supposed to feel any sympathy whatsoever for Abby and her people. So well, that's what the last half of the game is about, mate. Because Abby is the you know, the woman who, um, you know, kills Joel. And of course, in the first half of the game, you're, you know, you're playing through as Ellie. You don't really have any, you know, huge definite context of why it's happened other than this is the man who is like an adoptive father to you. Yeah. And you've just watched him be ended in front of you. So, of course, Ellie is murderously intent on, you know, getting revenge. And... I have to say, I kind of guessed why. I, in fact, I, I did kind of guess 
who was the reason why Abby would want to kill, you know, Joel. And I'll, you know, I'll kind of leave, you know, leave that to anyone who hasn't played it, other than the, you know, on the proviso that if you go in, please play the first one because it gives you a, you know, the proper context because it's also a masterclass in how to do game narrative and get get you to care about the characters and their motivations. So when it comes to The Last of Us Part 2, they do a an arbiter thing where, you know, Halo 2, you end up, um, you know, playing about, well, a good chunk of the game. I wouldn't say half. Um, playing um, an ex-member of the Covenant, one of the elites. And, you know, that sort of expands the universe. And, yeah, when it comes to it, you've, you've got a a story where there are so many moral greys. It's hard to pick up who is the good guy. And that makes it more realistic because you, you've got this world where it's civilization has pretty much ended. You've got these tiny pockets of holdouts of humanity. And some of them are cooperative, some of them are militant, some of them are, like, terrible gangs. So you encounter them all, and they're pretty nicely fleshed out on the whole. It would have been very easy just to have, um, you know, given Abby and her motivations and her people, you know, a, a very sort of, you know, just a two-dimensional, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, you know, because, you know, we, we don't like this. But um, I, th- they, I think they did a very good job of you understand the character and you get why it all happens. And I, yeah, excellent games, excellent versions, and they play really well on ps5 although you've still got loading times <laughs> mm. you, you've got about 30 seconds of loading times on the ps5 for you know, last of us part two and it does come on two blu-rays which is like oh god <laughs> <laughs> but yeah is the new it's, tv series out this year i think so yeah but then I don't know if that's still on track because it was supposed to be last year that the Sandman series was hitting Netflix, but clearly didn't happen. Hmm. Yeah, um, we've also started watching a Korean zombie series called um, All of Us Are Dead. Oh, I saw the trailer for that. Yeah, which is um, set in a Korean high school where there is a zombie outbreak. So it follows a, you know, a few of the students. And that is doing quite, quite well. And it's it's also the the episodes are as long as they need to be. Example, with, you know, with streaming because I've mentioned that before in you know like series of like the OA, which you should watch, like Star Wars, Rebels, and the Bad Batch. But. Yeah, um, episodes of um, that vary between 45 minutes and um, 70. So there's, you know, quite a variance. But we, we have not finished that. But so far, yes, it is it is good. And um, other than my usual bullshit with arcade boards, that's what I've been doing. Wow. 
I, I, I have to admit that all of us are dead for something that I think I want to try watching, but of course because I'll uh, probably be watching a subtitle. I'm assuming there isn't a dub, or is there a dub? There, do you seem to be dub in there, there is a dub, but I have not heard a single word in English. Okay. Because um, why Why would I be watching a Korean series dubbed in English? I would have posted it. This is the thing I have to decide whether uh, I want it, to it, it. Yeah. Knitting, knitting idea falls apart if it's something that's subtitled for me. That yeah, I can I can see that, but then when it comes to any you know foreign series or you know movie, I tend to want to bask in what they've done. Yeah, especially with how overworked a lot of the dubbing um, industry seems to be with streaming at the moment. Mind you, you say that. I tell you what, you watch the subtitled version of Yuri on Ice. The anime is one thing. You mm. watch the dubbed version of Yuri on Ice. Subtitle version is subbed is like really, um, really uh, toned down on the gay. The English dub is just like we're not being subtle now. It's, it's basically the subtitles are in rainbows. Yes. Kind of, for yeah. the um, the English language dub, it's like, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I can see how that would work. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that is all we've got time for this week, for people who are asleep. Um, so, it is good night from... It's good night from me, Paul Wood. I'm Retroid on Eurogamer.net and Super Retroid on Twitter. It's good night from me, Paul Blewett. I'm on Twitter, that Paul Blewett. It's good night for me, Emily King. I'm on Twitter at emkingma. You can find notes this episode over at www.nerdsymbol.co.uk. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Nerds Podcast. We're on Facebook as Nerds Symbol Podcast. Um, we're available on a, a variety of podcasting platforms. I'm not sure I want to name any going forward with all the bullshit that's going on lately um if we're not on a service that you really really want to use let us know and we'll see what it takes to get on it um but we're pretty much available on most uh, main platforms including things like pocket casts just mentioning them because they're actually pretty reasonable app and web-based so yeah uh that's all we've got time for so good night good night, good night. Good night. next to the next classification. <laughs>